Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Demon Lamb Podcast. My name is Andy, and in a moment, we'll be joined by former Melbourne Football Club player and best and fairest winner, Aaron Davey. My regular co-host, Great Viney, will, will be joining me to interview Aaron, and later in the show, we'll be joined by Demon Land tech guru, Nasha, to talk the Port Adelaide game and much more. But without further ado... Here's the flash. Did well, spotted Crawford, Mitchell, now Bateman. Our guest tonight was a favourite among fans over many years with his silky skills, and it's no stretch to say that he helped revolutionise the way the game is played with his manic forward defensive pressure, something which is taken for granted in the modern game. He played 178 games in the red and blue and booted 174 goals, winning the club's best and fairest in 2009. Thanks for joining us on the Demonland podcast, Aaron Davey. Thanks, guys. Uh, Aaron, uh, you were unable to attend the 2003 draft camp for family reasons and were overlooked as a result. Under different circumstances, might you have ended up at a club other than the Demons? Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I wasn't. I was. I was invited to a screening out at uh, MSAC, uh, but yeah, I wasn't. Wasn't um, invited to the actual national draft camp. But um, yeah, no, it was just sort of one of those ones where I, I don't think I uh, tested too well in the old endurance compartment. But um, you know, uh, and then I did a bit of a preseason with. Uh, North Melbourne and got asked by the Demons and Craig Cameron and Danners but sort of refused because I played at Port Melbourne but um, yeah things happen for a reason and uh, Melbourne picked me in the rookie draft um, Melbourne taking you in the rookie draft meant that you weren't able to be selected obviously for the seniors is it true that some members of the Melbourne Coterie passed the hat around and came up with the $10,000 needed to promote you to the seniors so you could get a game <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's this uh, some truth behind that. So um, I think at that stage I was obviously rookie, as was pretty well documented, and um, the chances of getting a senior game being a rookie was uh, not overly high, and and it obviously had to fall into a bit of a luck, um, whether it was a long term injury and then they'd elevate someone. Um, and I was very fortunate enough to have a group of supporters, the coterie group, that were uh, able to sort of pass a hat around and get some money and. Um, I think from my understanding is uh, I think Danners and the clubs might have put Nita on the um, veterans list and it sort of opened up the spot and um, supporters came through with a uh, bit of money and uh, yeah, it, it gave me my opportunity and I sort of took it with both hands. Aaron, you booted 28 goals in your first season. You won the AFL Players Association Award for the best first-year player and you looked right at home out on the field. Uh, did you always believe that you had the talent to make it at the top grade or is that something that developed as you played more senior footy? Um, I guess as, as a kid growing up, I had always uh, 
you know, had enormous confidence in, in my ability and in footy talent. Uh, and But, you know, obviously it, it's, that's one thing to have. And then obviously I wanted to play AFL footy uh, coming from Darwin, and which uh, I've, I've spoken a fair few times. It, I look back now, I'm um, a young Indigenous kid coming from Darwin to chase the dream and play AFL. It was probably unrealistic at the time. But, you know, um, I sort of pursued my AFL career by just... You know, going down and, and playing in Port Adelaide a few times in the SANFL under Steve Williams and, and Gary Treadray and uh, sort of gave me a bit of confidence, played some senior footy there. And although I was overlooked a few times, um, you know, and sort of asked the question if I did have what it took to make it. And then, um, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to be given an opportunity uh, from Port Melbourne. And I went down there and, you know, to this day, I, um, you know, sort of still pinch yourself to see. Asked myself the question, I guess. Um, and that was my best footy I played probably in my whole life. And, you know, the, the reward then was clearly getting rookied by Melbourne at the end of that year. Uh, Flash, you basically invented the concept of forward pressure as we know it today, uh, running down opponents, fierce tackling, uh, doing the one percenters. Is that something that coaches encouraged you to do, or had that always been a part of? Uh, been a part of your game? Nah, I um, I was I think before I did get drafted, I was a bit of uh, the old traditional small forward that I always worried about attacking. Um, and you know, I just wanted to make the most of my opportunity. I'm very uh, close mates with Daniel Wells, and and I went on a number of occasions and watched him the year before when he played for Kangaroos, and still remember him doing a couple of those tackles. Um, and then just sort of. Seeing the effect it had on uh, some of his uh, teammates and, and obviously the crowd, and uh, so I went into uh, to Melbourne and, and I started sitting down, I guess, with a, a great mentor of mine, and, uh, and he obviously was my manager as well, Alex McDonald, and, and started working out some sort of plan and goals to how I can maintain uh, staying in the side. And um, obviously, speed was my biggest thing back then. I wouldn't just say that it is right now because I can barely run, but. Um, <laughs> Speed was obviously the biggest thing, and um, I thought I'd just change my mindset, and and I wanted to try and cement my spot, and I uh, thought of something a lot more outside the circle as a small forward, and that was to use my pace and and try and imp- inspire my teammates uh, through my rundown tackling and um, obviously my work rate, and yeah, and it sort of sort of went from there, and um, you know it's uh, it is always uh, a little bit um, you know uh, you know. Good to hear that some some of these current day players still you know, acknowledge my contribution. I guess back in the day and and uh, my, my pressure that I did apply and um, you know it uh, you know I look back now and uh, you know I, I don't have any regrets on uh, my whole ten year career at the Demons. Um, that forward pressure was one of the most exciting aspects of your game, aside from the freakish goals, obviously. Um, and it's, it, those chase downs were amazing. Um, I'd certainly never seen anything like it, especially not in the frequency that you were doing it. Uh, for, for me, there was nothing more exciting than being at the G and you seemingly coming out of nowhere and taking down an opponent who had absolutely no idea that you were coming. Uh, is that where you got the nickname Flash? Did you get that nickname at the D's or was that something that you were doing before coming over? No, it was from the D's. So I still recall, I think it might have... Uh, started sticking down at Sandringham in the preseason throughout the, uh, I think it might have been Ooze and a few of the boys, maybe Tigger, Johnson and, um, a few of the boys just sort of just started calling me that and, and I guess the name sort of sucked then after that and, um, you know, it was one of those ones where, yeah, it sucks throughout my career and 
it's amazing what a um, a nickname like that can do now. Sort of the impact it has on life even after footy. You know, some guys still still call me it, but um, well, most people know me as that now. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it is. It it, uh, it was just it's one of those things back in the day where I was very fortunate enough to have um, you know a lot of amount of speed and. Uh, like I said, now that you can ask yourself the question, it's probably not so flash now. <laughs> yeah, you, you played a lot of your footy under the Reverend, the great Neil Danaher. Uh, what was he like as a coach and how hard is it for you to see him battling through uh, his current illness? Yeah, look, um, I'll forever be grateful and thankful for the opportunity that uh, that Danaher gave me and, and also the belief he had in me. And, um, you know, like I still speak to a lot of young uh, young kids and, and people when I do share my story about my journey and um, you know it's, it's, it's all about things that you do learn so obviously a great coach but also was a good mentor as well for someone like myself um, never overcomplicated things with me obviously coming into the game still pretty raw and young and, and just told me to go out there and um, do what I've done best and um, I'd always go out there and try and um, you know play my role as as everyone tries to do and and use my speed and inspire my teammates and and try and get him wins as much as we could. But um, you know I still remember you know pretty clear a conversation we had um, around leadership, which obviously back then I was fairly young and and um, you know I have to think that I didn't have those type of attributes, but um, it's, it's amazing what a little bit of guidance and confidence and, and reassurance from, you know, someone like Danners who, who said, you know, a couple of things that stand out to my mind that you're one day captain of the club, which unfortunately I didn't, but uh, I came extremely close in, in 2010. I became vice-captain um, and that I'd be a leader of this footy club and um, I laughed at the time. I've sort of said, you know, I don't think he really knows me here. I'm sort of the clown in the change rooms, and that's as far as it goes. But, um, but just through the, you know, reassurance and constant guidance, and um, you know, being put in leadership groups, and then you start realising the potential and the impact that I was having on my footy mates and teammates on on game day. Through, you know, obviously, although I wasn't the most vocal leader, uh, the way I sort of led was through my actions on the footy field, and. Um, you know, and then sort of goes on from there, and it sort of gives me a great springboard and into obviously how I looked at a lot of things, and, and obviously preparing for my footy, and then um, yeah, he's just a truly amazing man, and we can see the great work he's doing now. But uh, you know, obviously a great coach, but more importantly, a very special and um, you know lovely person. How close were you with Dean Bailey, um, and and what impact did his passing? Uh, a few years back have on you? Yeah, well, then obviously that ties into then Bales coming in. Um, had a great relationship with Bales, extremely close relationship as well. Um, and I was very fortunate enough to be coached by two great coaches and mentors and him and Danners. As I said, Danners sort of kept my game pretty simple and, and gave me all the right sort of guidance and, and stuff to, to allow me to become good and, and never overcomplicated things. But as you sort of get a bit older and a little bit more wiser and the game does evolve and change. Um, Bale's come in with a, a really good uh, teaching, you know, way of the game and I learned so much, um, which I will say that I reckon it sort of gave me a bit of an ambition to, to want to sort of explore coaching, which I'm coaching now up in Cairns. Um, and you just learn a lot more about, uh, you know, obviously coaching and, and, and stuff like that, but you know the best things about just working and, and managing with people and and trying to get the best out of them. So, 
uh, his passing was extremely sad, and then obviously, you know, it, it was a, a massive shock. And you know, uh, such a great man with a, with a great heart that people could probably question it um, at times. But I reckon uh, the club were in, we were in pretty good hands there for a few years, and um, you know, I think just all the sort of negative criticism that did sort of come towards the back end was. Uh, unfair on, on all, um, but unfortunately, you know, that's uh, the industry that we were in, and um, you know, but yeah, extremely sad, and uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, Flash, I, I read one review of your career which mentions the arrival of Byron Pickett at the club, and it said that around this time you started to show a little bit more aggression on the field. Uh, is that true? Did Byron uh, put a bit of mongrel into your game? Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, I was very lucky to play with some uh, amazing people and, and players, and, and Choppy was uh, one of them. And, uh, yeah, I've seen that sort of float around. I think, um, yeah, I, it wasn't more about the aggression. I think uh, when you played footy with Byron Pickett, uh, it allowed you to walk taller. And as, as everyone was sort of aware, obviously, speed was my biggest thing. And, and opposition really took um, a lot of time and, and effort and how they sort of, you know, try and affect uh, the impact that I do did have on game day. So I used to get a few niggles and, and some pesky, you know, pesky uh, defenders that were getting under my skin a, a bit. And I think just being young and, and not really exposed to that after the first year that I did have, I started getting a little bit more sucked in. Um, and, you know, you sort of get a bit more confidence and, and try and stand up for yourself, which obviously that's not reflective of, of the type of person I was. It's just one of those things when you're out on the footy field, and obviously Byron was there to be sort of my protector, him and uh, Nita, which, uh, you know, it's not every day you get two guys like that uh, so that you can run around with. But, um, yeah, I think it'd be it'd be unfair to say it was because Byron was there because Byron obviously had the biggest heart. Um, and I think it was just due to my part of my development as a young footy player dealing with uh, the attention and, and, and being tagged as well. Yep. You finished third uh, in the best and fairest in just your second season, and then you went on to take out the Bluey itself a few years later. Uh, that must be a, a source of immense pride for you, the best and fairest win. Yeah, obviously that's uh, probably been I mean, that's probably been the pinnacle of my AFL footy career was to to be uh, given the 2009 AFL uh, oh Melbourne Demons, sorry uh, Keith Louis Truscott. Award, which, you know, I sort of sit down now and have a bit of a chat to my sons about it and the importance and, and how special it is, uh, obviously, to myself. And um, it, it does allow me to sort of get back and, and sort of reflect on how far I, I had come, not only as a footballer, but as a person as well. And and I do hold that with great pride. And when I do speak to a lot of young kids, you know, it's not every day you get to be the, the only Indigenous best and fairest when I'm at the, the oldest AFL club. Um, that's something that I'll hold, you know, extremely close to my heart and very grateful of. And um, again, I wouldn't have been able to achieve that if it wasn't for, you know, the great guys I did have around. And one of them was also, uh, he's a legend of the club, but James McDonald, Jimmy, and, and guys like that, Matty Whelan, um, you know, that, that, that award wouldn't have been possible without great people like that and all my teammates. Uh, Aaron, uh, in 2006, you were nominated three times for Goal of the Year. In fact, just last week on this podcast, we were talking about one of them uh, when you were hard up on the boundary line in the wet at the G. Uh, you kicked a swag of them over your career. Uh, do you have a favourite uh, one that you kicked? 
Um, yeah, I think um, well, yeah, it, was, it went through a bit of a um, patch there where I was kicking all these goals. I don't know where from. I think it was just on in- instinct. But um, yeah, I, I, my, my son sit down and they watch it all the time on YouTube and then they sort of ask me questions. And yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to kick a few, but I'd, I'd have to nearly say the, the Fremantle Docker one and I think the one where we came back. Yeah, uh, fifty plus points at half time, and I guess the whole specialness around that game as well, and and the circumstances, and and that win to be a part of that, and uh, you know, obviously some really great things came out of that day. And but I do, I do sit down and watch um, watch it a few times, and then ask myself the question as to actually what was I doing at the start? Because I think I nearly ran myself into trouble. So. Uh, was it for the guy on the mic to fall over? I reckon I probably would have <laughs> ran myself into strife. But unfortunately, um, I got myself out of it. And, uh, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to sell a bit of candy and then kick a goal. Uh, you spent a lot more time playing in the middle uh, and across half-back under Dean Bailey. Where was your favourite position to play and why? Um, well, I guess as the sort of my game started growing and, and my endurance and fitness started picking up, um, you know, and then I started realising my, um, you know, uh, potential as a footballer. And uh, and again, when when Bales came, uh, he he was he was awesome for me to take my game to that next level. Actually, had some really good fitness guys that worked on my specific training as well with my endurance. Obviously, I wasn't the biggest endurance runner, but I had speed endurance. So it was all about trying to get the balance in the gym and obviously on the training track and. Um, yeah, and then yeah, obviously you always knew I was a capable kick you know, with the footy in my hand and, and make good decisions. And Bale sort of gave me a lot more confidence to, to sort of grow on that. Um, and I know there was um, a few clubs I've sort of seen and there was a rule, you know, there was a, a rule that our club had, had to give me the ball. So like I said, 2009 was a big thanks to all my teammates for giving me the footy. And I'm sure Jared Rivers will take a bit of credit as well because I could have sworn he would have given me about... You know, a good 60% of my possessions down in the back half of the handball received. So, um, yeah, Bales was awesome for my confidence in the game. And obviously, like I said before, Matty Willen and, and James McDonald. And um, it's just one of those things where you sort of start growing. And uh, I was I probably was one of those ones as well that I pride myself on my disposals where I'd go for the kicks that people would probably wouldn't try and attempt at certain points of the game. And... I was very fortunate enough that most of those came off at the right time. Um, however, a few did miss their targets, but uh, it's all about you, you deal with it and then just get back on the bike and, and try and do it again. So, yeah. You uh, represented Australia several times in the International Rules Series. Uh, it must have been a great honour playing for your country. Oh, massive honour. Uh, some uh, really good memories as well over there. and. And, and the most pleasing thing is we get not every day you get to go overseas and, and represent your your country, uh, and and you get to meet some really good people as well from the opposition that you play with throughout the year, and um, you know you hold some meet some really good people on there. Some became really close mates now from back in two thousand and six when I went over. So um, yes, yeah, really uh, you know thrilling experience, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And and it was fantastic to go over there and really embrace the, the special culture in, in, in the Irish people. And um, I really love my time over there and, and very lovely people, I will say. Uh, Aaron, you played in a successful side earlier in, in your career with regular finals appearances. 
Uh, how hard was it in the latter years when the club really began to struggle um, towards yeah. the back end of your career? Yeah, look, um, yeah, obviously the first few years were pretty uh, successful for us as, as a footy club. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about sort of, as well, you just got to make the most of the opportunities and sometimes you just walk in and uh, footy, they do you some really good cards and, and at certain points where clubs are at. And I came in the first uh, three years and we played finals footy. Um, and then obviously you sort of think, oh, how good is this playing finals footy? But it's, it's amazing how the game can sort of just change within, uh, you know, the space of six months. And then, you know, we're, we're still yet to play finals footy uh, since 2006 when we lost to Fremantle in Perth. Uh, and, and the boys are going really, really well, which is pleasing to see. So hopefully, um, you know that that uh, we break that drought this year. And um, but in saying the last six years of my career, it's obviously when you're at the bottom of of our game, which we were for for a fair few years there, um, you really learn a lot about yourself as a, as a footy club, footy side, um, and and more importantly um, as as an individual. And I think uh, all those three things were. Were, you know, they hold people in great stead, and, and I know I can only speak personally from my point of view. Is um, I learn a lot about myself as, as a player, and but more importantly as a person. Um, obviously, a lot of things don't go your way in life, and we, and we all do know that. And, and you get thrown you know, curveballs and injuries and, and whatnot. And um, you know, for myself to just sort of stick it out and you know, sort of get towards the back end of my career as well, it was sort of. Um, a challenging at time with different personnel that were sort of coming in and out uh, in the football staff. So, um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where you know you only, the only way you learn in life is by failure. And obviously, those last six years we we weren't doing too great on the footy oval. But um, I will say we, we stuck together pretty tightly as a really close group as well. Um, a lot of resources are put into Indigenous players these days, making sure they have the right support behind them. Did you have a mentor at the D's, someone, like you mentioned, Matty Whelan, to take you under his wing? Yeah, look, uh, well, as yeah, Matty Whelan, uh, one of my best mates, um, you know, and one of the, the, the best things Melbourne Football Club sort of gave me was uh, having him when I first came into the, the system, both being Darwin boys, although we our families were close and knew each other, I mean, wheels were sort of... Yeah, you know, a few years apart, but um, yeah, he took me under his wing and was a massive influence on my career, especially early days. You know, he sort of eliminated a bit of homesickness, and you got that big brother there that's uh, always there, and you know, picking me up, dropping me off, and he'd done that, you know, for the first few years, which I uh, was extremely grateful for. And um, yes, yeah, had wheels, and then obviously Choppy came, and then um, obviously through unfortunate circumstances, Shannon Motlop came through to the club as well so there was a good group of us and a few senior players for me to sort of knock around with and um but yeah it's had, had some really good role models there and as as uh, i did mention but there's also you know Nita and it's not every day you go and, and you play footy with james mcdonald and adam uze david neitz uh, greenie and robbo all these legends brucey i won't leave them all out but um <laughs> i think i've been pretty blessed uh i look back now on my career um the 10 years I've played, um, you know, the names that I have played with, I just think I was extremely lucky to, to think that I've played with, you know, in my, my personal opinion, probably some of the best players and, you know, in the club's history. Following on from that question, Aaron, did you act as a mentor in your later years uh, to some of the younger Indigenous players coming through? 
Yeah, so I think the flowing from that was part of my development as well from uh, Wheels and obviously then Danner's, like I said before, about around the leadership. And uh, we had uh, Aussie and um, LJ come into the system. Um, and, and people say, oh, you know, do you want to take the mentoring role? I didn't look at it as that. I just sort of just, you know, took it on as you know, as we do and like Will's done for myself. And, uh, you know, Aussie was staying with me and uh, uh, my um, wife at the time, our kids. So Aussie became a big part of our family. Um, and, and he was awesome for me and on the kids. So, uh, and we're still best mates. LJ became there. And then, then we had Jay, Jamie Bunnell and, and Nev, who's Nev's doing fantastic stuff now, and it's, it's sort of it's amazing. It sort of flows into, you know, the next person sort of coming in, and Nev's doing a great job with that, and really helping the club in regards to, you know, the Indigenous uh, history and culture, as well as Maddie Ruland down there as well. So, yes, what was passed on from Wheels, uh, you pass on the boys and Nev, and um, you know, that's just one of those given things where you sort of become because we all. We all um, have similarities, and I know a lot of people. Yeah, I think Indigenous players are all the same, but you've got to realise as well that they have nearly 300 different um, Indigenous uh, groups in Australia, and uh, it's all about learning and education. and And uh, Melbourne Football Club and the AFL, in, in as a whole, are doing a fantastic job in uh, getting a really good understanding of it. Yeah, that's certainly true. Um, how important is that role, that sort of mentor role, especially when you have players like you mentioned, Liam Jarrah, for whom prof- the professional footy environment is a million miles away from the community that he grew up in? Yeah, it's, it, um, it's extremely important. Obviously, LJ came from Central Australia, and as I said, um, people might say, oh, yeah, he's had Flash there, and Flash knows all this about it, but in reality, Liam's... <laughs> Liam's Indigenous group, Wolfie Rob were completely different to mine as opposed to different to Matty Whelan, Neville Jettas. They were all, obviously, but we were one thing that we couldn't take away. We all had the same sort of culture and that was the Indigenous culture and, and we just embraced it and, and our culture's so unique and special, you know, and family's a big one where I'm sure it is, but there's always just that extra specialness about it and family. And um, LJ, to his credit, I know, um, obviously, the last couple of years of his career was sort of tarnished by some negative um, media and that I uh, will say uh, what he was able to do and how far he came to enable himself to do that was uh, just absolutely nothing but um, I'm you know, proud of how he how he done it and, and how he coped with it but I'll, I think the Although the negative that did happen towards the back end of his career, I think what it done as a, as a whole was a really good cultural awareness session in its way where it enabled everyone to understand the Indigenous culture a lot more. So um, LJ went on and obviously played some really, really exciting footy and, uh, you know, he brought a lot of people through the gates. But more importantly, the boys, when I see them go up to Alice Springs now, you know, the Demon boys and... They all get around him and, you know, he, he calls them their brother. That's the most special thing. And that's what's the special thing that footy, our great game brings, is um, people from all over Australia, all over the world now, um, you become really close mates. Uh, Aaron, your brother, Orwin, played for the Bombers. Did you ever hope that you might somehow end up playing together at the one club? Was that ever a, a possibility at any stage? Yeah, there was. It was always that uh, you'd always wanted to play at the highest level with your brother, and um, um, and there was only one way about it. I wasn't going anywhere. So <laughs> if it was ever going to eventuate, he would have to come to Melbourne, uh, which they did have a chat to him at one stage. And um, I think again, loyalty was 
you know, a big thing in our family. Um, although we'd love to have played with each other and, and do our mum proud, who's been a massive uh, role model for us both. Um, you know, just one of the things you sort of just think, well, things happen for a reason. He comes over to Melbourne. He mightn't play the footy that he was playing. Um, you, you got to also ask all those questions. But I know there was some uh, rumours surrounding that, oh, I could potentially be going to Essen, which was all untrue because, uh, you know, I'd always said from the moment I walked in the club I was going to be a one-club player and, uh, you know, I'll walk away and I was able to achieve that. So um, it would have been good, though. So, like I said, it was only going to be one way about it. I wasn't going to my end anyway. So, uh, but he went on and had a fantastic career as well. And, you know, now his uh, boys are he's sort of sitting back now and my nephews are sort of getting their names thrown around in the scene with the father-son academy that they do have. So, um, yeah, but it, it was uh, it was always good to play against him and especially when we beat him, which wasn't very often. So, um, what you mentioned your coaching now. What, what are you up to these days? Um... Yeah, so look, I've uh, relocated now up to uh, Cairns in, in uh, far north Queensland. Um, so, yeah, my kids and, and the family all moved up here, and uh, you know, it's, it's been going really well. So, I've attempted to take on a role of a footy club that was, um, you know, on on their knees last year, and a, a real proud history club as well in the Cairns City Lions and. We were um, getting beaten quite convincingly last year with, you know, probably over 200. There was about five 200-point losses. And, um, yeah, so we lost a a heap amount of players and stuff. So uh, I was approached to to take them throughout the year and um, sort of was weighing up my options. And then I made the move up in November uh, to be closer to my kids um, and took on the challenge. And, um, you know, we hadn't won in... In two years, and uh, although we still had a couple of hundred point defeats this year, the margins grow uh, decreased massively, and, and we're able to win two games. So, uh, if uh, any, oh, I feel like I'm selling myself here, but <laughs> if there's any uh, demon uh, supporters that are willing to come up and want to have a kick in beautiful cans and, and help me out, and um, you know, return the favour, I'd be more than happy to get them up here and uh, they can live the life because the weather here at the moment is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's about 24 degrees, and I can show it um, probably 15 degrees, a lot warmer than what's, what it currently is now in Melbourne. Oh, yeah, it's uh, crazy. But uh, it's good, mate. It's good, and that's all about And the best thing about it is, um, you know, having myself been able to play at the highest level and coming up to a league that's still in a football rugby state, there's always there's clashes, but uh, yeah, it's one of the most passionate things I love is, is giving back to, to grassroots footy, in which I'm working at AFL Cairns now, as well as a football development manager role, and overseeing the the women's competition as, as the league coordinator. So um, yeah, things are going well. And are you still a passionate D's fan? Oh, one-eyed D's fan. So um, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, actually best and first one and life member they're the two things I hold really close to my heart um, and it's always good to watch the D's and um, yeah hopefully uh, I know me and Matty Whelan had a bit of a joke about it a couple of weeks ago when they were winning a fair few games we might have to start booking I might have to start booking <laughs> some tickets here in September yeah. so um, I think we might have jinxed us there because then we lost to Collingwood <laughs> but uh, so we'll better make sure they give us life members uh, free tickets to the grand final too I, li- I like you. I like your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one last one for you, Flash, and uh, we're very um, appreciative of your time. Um, you can see from your social media accounts that there are a number of Davy Juniors uh, running around. 
Um, how many kids have you got and when can we expect them to be drafted to the MFC under either the father-son or the father-daughter rule? Yeah, um, yeah, obviously, yeah, we got a, we got a few kids, uh, myself, so I know mum wanted, uh, some grandchildren way back, and with the five of us, she didn't expect to get 21 of them, so, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I've got, uh, five, so my daughter, Atalia, who's, uh, growing, she, she's 16 this year, and, um, she was always there the first few years, and then, um, Michaela, who's gonna be 14, I don't think I've slowly, actually played a couple of games up here, but I don't think they have uh, quite what it takes to, to sort of play the highest level. Um, but uh, with the three boys of mine, Marley, who's uh, he's eight, he's playing footy up here for the City Lions juniors and uh, loving every moment of it. Um, and the twin boys, Archie and, and Isaac, who will be six next month, who are playing footy as well. So they're big D fans, so um, I'd like to think, you know, Having five kids, that I get the opportunity to see at least one of them. If not, ideally, like all four of them, to just wear the mighty red and blue, and then I can sit down and have a beer in the grandstand and and watch them play. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those great things as well that footy does give, and uh, you know, playing at the one club for so long, the opportunities that it does give, you know, and it allows uh, past players and their kids. I think it's a it's a, you know awesome idea from the AFL. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, hopefully the boys are, uh, you know, pretty um, pretty half decent players, and then they go on to play because uh, it'd be nothing more uh, special than watching my sons go out there and, and be able to do what I what I was able to achieve, and and more importantly for the mighty D's. Exactly. Aaron, thank you very much for joining us on the Demoland podcast tonight. We've interviewed a lot of your contemporaries in the past two years and it's, it's great taking a stroll down memory lane and reliving some of those exciting times. And it's also, be, it's also great to be able to personally thank you guys for the hours of entertainment and enjoyment that you've given us supporters over the years. So thank you very much. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate being asked to come on the show and it's, it's always good and I know players don't really get to say a lot, and although I'm a past player, um, you know, we, we couldn't do it week in, week out without all you guys and your tremendous and amazing support. So uh, for me personally, I, I, all the people that did support me along the way, um, I'm truly uh, am grateful. And uh, as as uh, last year, I'd like to say thanks as well. So uh, thanks, guys, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Well, that was Aaron Davey. Um Thank you once again, Aaron, for, for joining us um, and now joining me, um, uh, Grape Viney. How are you? I'm pretty good, Andy. Thank you. And also joining us at uh, Nasha. How are you going? I'm very good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. It's been a long time since Nasha's joined us on the Demon Land podcast, so welcome back. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I've uh, been bumped for Super Mercado. I, I, uh, yeah, I just... Uh, He's a very, very uh, talented man. You should have him on more often. Well, we try to get him on, uh, but he's just—he's asking prices just way too much. Um, <laughs> but he, he does. He's got a great voice. Um, great voice for radio, um, certainly. And uh, yeah, so um, well, that was Aaron Davy. Uh, great interview from him. Uh, we're very lucky to get him on. Um, I mean, we could have used him on the weekend, couldn't we? Well, I think we really did lack um, that type of player. And, um, you know, we've got to sort of ask the question, yeah, how far away is uh, Garlett from returning? Could, could we have used him on the weekend, you think? Uh, yes. 
Yeah, but by all accounts, um, he's not doing a whole lot in the in the uh, in the twos, and you just wonder what the sort of the KPIs that he needs to meet are um, from Goodwin and the and the um, the rest of the coaching panel. Yeah, I always thought with with um, with Jeffy that uh, he's the type of guy that uh, you just maybe got to throw him in, but obviously, you know, early on in the year. He wasn't performing, and uh, yeah, he, from all reports, from what I hear at Casey, um, yeah, he's he's not uh, the type of player that would that lights up a Casey game. No, is he? no, he, he's sort of a big game player. Uh, uh, Nasho, what are your thoughts on on Davy? Yeah, like there's there's plenty of a of a school of thought out there that um, he sort of moves too fast for the pace of a VFL game, which makes you wonder whether he's ever actually going to light it up. Uh, that said. I remember back a long time ago. I actually saw Flash on the top on the topic of Aaron Davy. I actually saw him play a VFL game uh, before he was drafted down in Tassie back when we had a, a VFL team, and he did light that game up. He was uh, all over the ground, and he was he was uh, very dynamic, and you could sort of see the player he was going to become then. So, um, you know, different player and a long time ago, but you know, I have seen that type of player, I guess. You know the the fast dynamic sort light up that level of footy before. So um, whether that's you know whether there's truth to that or whether it's just an excuse, I'm I'm not really sure. But I definitely think he's definitely got something to add. I mean he's a he's a 50 goal or 40 goal goal a year forward when he's in form. Um, yeah, so you'd think uh, he's he'd want to be pressing his way into the side soon though. It's, otherwise, it's, uh yeah, we're not going to get the we're not going to see the best from him, perhaps. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, how frustrating was Friday night? I mean, we were doing all the right things. We were sort of winning the contested ball. Uh, I think it was even towards the end of the game in the contested ball stakes. We were getting it into the fif- inside fifty, you know, heaps of times. I mean, we did we double their amount or, or nearly thereabouts. Um, and we just couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't score. Um, it was just a, it was just a throwback to the early season form, really, wasn't it? It was a lot like the that that first Geelong game, I thought in that regard. One hundred percent, a great viney, frustrating for you two to watch. Yes, the big C word comes to mind, um, and I'm conscious that we're. I've got a uh, lot of on, C words uh, that can't be said uh, on this on, podcast. On air after nine pm, but <laughs> composure. Yes, um, was what we were lacking, and uh, as Nash has said, is uh, 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 very similar to the Geelong game. Um, everything right except the final score, basically. So what do you? Uh, we, we were bombing it in, uh, basically, and it just sort of made it very hard. But it was also they were flooding back every time we tried to get in there. It was just chock a block. Uh, so it was it was sort of hard to sort of pinpoint anyone, but we were just bombing it in. Um, uh, Jesse Hogan seems to be a little bit down on on form or confidence, uh, not going for grabs. Um, you know, not going for the mark. Strange, isn't it? Because two weeks ago he was in all Australian form and was doing absolutely everything. Was uh, you know competing um, in lots of marking contests all day, um, all day and every day, um, and then bang, it sort of disappears. Um, 
and you wonder where and why and when it's going to come back. But um, you'd, you'd think or you'd hope that uh, uh, the coaches will have a word in his ear about about not flying for those marks and sort of acting like Crummer, I think, was, was the suggestion. So, yeah. Is, do you reckon there's a bit of confusion about his role? Because, you know, he's a player who's been up and down and, you know, all over the ground for, you know, at least the front half of the ground um, this year. Do you reckon that plays a role in, in losing marking confidence or? Great binding. Um yeah, I'm, I'm not sure because certainly the the public feedback that we hear through Goodwin post-match, there's been plenty of occasions where he's praised Jesse and, and named him um, and specifically mentioned his um, his sort of, you know, contested marking work and ability to bring the ball to ground. So you wonder why, I mean, if that is one of his main um main tasks, you wonder why that would sort of suddenly disappear when he's been doing it so well throughout the season. So um, the flooding is an issue, but uh, certainly the delivery inside 50 um, uh, is also not up to par when we're under pressure. Um, We've seen us, you know, we've got no problem steamrolling um, the lower ranked sides. It's the uh, higher ranked sides who put more pressure on uh, where we don't have the composure to uh, to capitalise. I think I saw uh, at half-time a stat with Jesse that he, I think, was the third highest uh, kilometres uh, run for the game at half-time. Um, but he had very few possessions, so he wasn't just staying at home. He was going all around. He just couldn't get his hands on the ball. Um, uh, Petraka as well, someone else who's sort of down. Uh, I think we sort of uh, glossed over it last week. Uh, you know, there's been a thread about Petraka being in a rut and there was an article he was quoted today uh, admitting that he's in a bit of a rut and uh, he's sort of putting now pressure on himself to, to, to dig himself out of there. But, yeah, we really need to start getting more out of uh, track. Uh, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? But he's only just played 50 games. We expect so much from such young players. And I guess when you have someone uh, like Clayton Oliver, um, who just consistently produces uh, at a very high level, um, and then you've got players who've got incredible potential, such as uh, Petraka, you expect them uh, you expect them to be delivering sort of in spades already. Um, you know, we saw the same thing with Jesse come in and dominate in, her, in his first year too, but not everyone can do it. And it's a lot of pressure to put on the one player. Yeah, but we've just sort of been waiting and waiting and waiting for, for this uh, breakout uh, game or breakout season, and it's just sort of not coming. And I'll just play devil advocate here and say, um, you know, that I don't know if that, oh, well, he's only played 50 games cuts the mustard um i have a look at sort of bailey fritch and he's played a handful of games or more than a handful yep. now um you know two handfuls and plus a few extra and he's uh i, I reckon he's been a fantastic pickup for us uh getting possessions all over the ground delivers beautifully um yeah so i don't know with, when it comes to track yeah uh, oh, well, well i think I mean, to be fair, he hasn't been awful. Like no. I know that we've, we've, uh, you know, we're setting the bar pretty high. I reckon, to be honest, he hasn't had a game um, 
I'm just look, having a quick look at his season stats now, and I know you know they tell half the story and yeah. not all of it, and, and so forth. But you know he hasn't had a game where he's touched it less than 15 times. Um, he's scored more often, you know, in more games than he hasn't, uh, including a goal, a goal against Port. Um, it's and it's yeah. Look, we all want him to be a star, but I think um, I just think we don't want to judge too harshly during times when he's just going because we know that he will there will come a time when he'll start uh, start tearing games apart I'm pretty confident of that I actually thought it was happening um, in the first quarter against Port and he looked to be right on his game and he was getting quite a bit of footy early on uh, but then he missed I think he missed that shot on goal and then and then sort of drifted out of the game a little bit so um, I agree it's it's the, it's the same like Hogan you, you don't expect those guys to be down too long um, uh, who else, uh, who, well, who impressed you? Um, I, I thought, um, uh, I thought Maxi was very good in Ruck. Uh, it's probably a draw, uh, with him and Ryder. Uh, maybe Maxi gets a bit on top, uh, for more hit outs. Um, Jack Viney, uh, hitting his straps as well. Yeah, Jack was sensational. Uh, Nev continued his season and even took it up a level, if that's possible. Um, and look, there were we had good players everywhere, but we just we just didn't win. No. <laughs> Inexplicably, yeah, good, good we didn't see, win. Um, good to see Jones, Nathan Jones, still getting plenty of the ball. Do you reckon he's? We almost don't notice him these days. There was a time, you know, as, as we all know, there was a period of time when he was the only thing we noticed often. Um, just continues to go about his business as well, I reckon. Yeah, I agree with you. There were a number of weeks, even this year, when uh, he was playing really good footy, but even on this podcast, we were never mentioning his name. And then after a few weeks, I said, we've got to give Nathan Jones a bit of credit. We never mention him. Uh, but he always seems to still rack up that uh, high 20s uh, possession. So... Yeah, um, and the Demonland Player of the Year award recognises that, doesn't it? Jones is uh, Jones is in the top five, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's top four. Uh, basically, the top four: Matt Gorney, Oliver. It's very close Jesse, between the two of them. Jesse, Jesse and Jones, Jones, and then um, you sort of got a few players who sort of coming in and out of fifth spot um, uh, with like uh, Angus Brayshaw, Tom McDonald up there. Um, yeah. Uh, was the umpiring, you know, I'd never like to blame defeats on umpires and I won't uh, in this uh, instance, but I thought in the second half the umpiring was just terrible. And uh, I always say to you, Great Viney, it's not necessarily the ones that are paid uh, or paid to the oppositions, but it's the ones we don't get in return. And I thought that cost us a lot. Um, Two incidents come to mind, two exact same things. There was a wind guard, uh, took a mark that was punched out of his hands. What Did you think that was a mark? Yeah, well, that was a right, it was right on the line ball, that one. It's a right on the line ball call. And, um, then, and then later on in the game, there was Angus yep. Brayshaw, exactly the same thing, probably held it for the same amount of time. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure who held it for longer, but ne- probably neither of them are a mark. But it's that type of thing where, you know, it's paid one way, not paid the other way. And invariably with uh, interstate games, it's usually the visiting team that, that don't get paid. 
Yeah, I thought. Look, we had the. I thought we had the umpires in the first half, but I think that also was a result of being first of the ball. Yep. So, um, yeah, swings and roundabouts. Bin Man it's, makes it's a, a good sh- point that Bin Man. Sorry, just that uh, makes a good point in the chat room that um, just comparing uh, Petraka and uh, Oscar McDonald has also only played fifty games. Um, and again, if you just look across the list. Um, uh, we're still a very young side um, that's uh, that's still putting it all together. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Bidman did mention that OMAC uh, has only played 50 games and has been pretty rock solid definitely in the last uh, season and a half, uh, yet he gets crucified <laughs> whenever he makes a mistake. Uh, and he's uh, Bidman saying that uh, track, uh, you know, sort of gets a pass. Uh, but... Yeah. What, what's that word that Bin Man said? Croicade? I would say it was crucified. <laughs> I, I, uh, I auto-corrected for him to crucified, uh, but I don't know what he means there. Uh, uh, well, I might... Uh, Nasha, were you going to bring something up? Uh, oh, I was just going to say, with umpiring, I, I always sort of take it with a view that it's just one of the variables in our game. Um you know, it, in the same way that sometimes the, the the bounce of the ball doesn't go your way, sometimes the umpiring doesn't go your way because it's 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 human beings making judgment on on grey decisions. Like it's it's very rarely cut or dry. So I think normally I can live with it, but when when it just feels like every single decision goes the opposite way that's favourable to you in a game of football, it does uh, it does make you tear your hair out after a while. See, I find that that happens every week, but that might be my one eye. <laughs> it, it could out. be. I'd, I'd say it, it might be, yes. <laughs> so um, uh, the old fart in the chat room uh, has posed the question, where do we sit on the Vince Lewis discussion? Um, I'm not sure exactly what he means. Does he mean can we have both of them in the team? I think. Grapevine, we might have talked about it last week and agreed that, uh, yes, they both still should be uh, in the team. Uh, I'm not sure what he's asking there, whether if they should both be in there, one or the other, or, or what. Uh. That discussion's started a lot, quite a while ago on Demon Land, and it's now filtered out into the, into the general media, um, this issue of can we have both of them in the same, in the same side. So... Um, and that question is not going to go away, and and eventually, you know, they're both going to be out. But who comes in to replace them at the moment? Well, that's the that's the question. I think uh, until we've got uh, some more games under the belt of some of the guys, probably in the twos, um, and certainly with Lever out, it makes it a bit harder. Um, yeah. Who, who replaces them? I don't think anyone. I think their experience uh, is going to trump out at the moment. Nasha? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, it's, there's, um, I'm all for those guys being phased out, but I'd, uh, I, I'd need to see. I'd, nobody at Casey at the moment is putting forward a particularly compelling case, I wouldn't have thought. Um, Lewis in particular, I see, is a real double-edged sword. He's, um, you know, he's probably the slowest player we have on the field, really. But... Um, you know, still gets he still gets so much of the ball that it's pretty hard to argue that he's um, that he's not contributing. And if he's not in the right, in the side, um, you know, getting that level of ball, then then yeah, 
there's got to be somebody in the wings waiting, I guess. Um, uh, Dom Tyson came in this week. He replaced uh, Charlie Spargo, uh, you know, a small forward. Uh, so Dom Tyson comes in uh, over someone, you know, another small forward like we mentioned before, Jeffy Garlett. Um, what do you think of his game, boys? I uh, thought he butchered the ball a few times, and I'm not sure. Has he has he got rid of it yet, or is he still looking to give off that possession? There was one of those, I think it was in the first quarter, but he showed absolutely no awareness. Uh, for someone who's an on-baller, and, and I know it's probably down to no one around him talking, but you've got to be aware that people around you, he wasn't in that uh, situation. I think it happened a bit later on as well. Um I don't know if that was the right decision to make if you're taking out a small forward um, when goals were very hard to come by for us. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the week prior we'd looked we'd looked um, weak on the ball, um, yeah. which is the sort of player he is. But he just really doesn't he just doesn't look much like a player at the moment. He looks looks woefully out of form to me. Yeah, so a million miles away from. Uh, the Dom Tyson we saw in his yeah. first season, um, who was, who just looked like he was going to be a, a really, really good, uh, really, really good player. He's he's down on on confidence and form, and uh, it's written written all over his face, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah. Mm. All right. We'll talk later on about who comes in, who comes out. Um, anyone else uh, we need mention? I, I think we've pretty much covered the the main the main uh, players, but uh, I guess what we can discuss is um, can we save our season, boys? Um, I'm a little bit worried. I'm going to say it right now. I think we might miss out on finals, and certainly the uh, next three weeks are going to be extremely important because we play some lower-down teams, Um, but... If we drop one of these three coming games, and let's take one week at a time, but if we drop uh, one of these three, it's going to be very hard in the back back six games of, of the year. So yeah. I, I'd just like to just open with saying uh, our season is not on the rocks, so it doesn't doesn't really need saving. Uh, we're 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 eight and five, yes. six, six, sixth on the ladder, um, and we've. We do, as you as you point out, we've got a run of games uh, that we should win. Um, next few weeks will will tell a story. I guess all the weeks so far have <laughs> told a story. Um, but you know, I, I'm we've come up a couple against a couple of, of good sides. Um, we, you know, we're not we were, we were disappointing against Collingwood. Uh, they were outstanding, um, and you know we were. We were Around the mark in the Port game, it's not like we were thrashed. So, so for me, you know, we're thereabouts. And uh, if we can come away from the next three game, eleven and five, um, I say we're still on track for a very good season. Yeah, yeah. Like at the, at the beginning of the year, I I said on this podcast that I thought we were good enough to beat. It, we, we were we could beat anyone. And we could lose to anyone. I'll, I'll now change that uh, thought. I think we've got over the fact that we, I think we can beat all the the teams below us. I, I always thought, you know, because of last year, you know, we dropped all those games against lowly sides. I now think we can beat all those sides. We are better than that, you know, lower half of the ladder. 
but now I'm sort of changing it. I'm not sure we can beat anyone. I think we've been worked out, um, and I would love to be proven wrong. Um, but my confidence level, and it could be the MFCSS uh, creeping back into me um, after I thought I'd left that behind. Um, Everyone does those ladder predictors. Yep. And they don't account for the fact that there's there's always upsets every yep. week. West, uh, Essendon went over to West Coast and, and uh, comprehensively beat, uh, beat them over there. I wouldn't be surprised if we're the victim of such an upset in the next few weeks when we've got these so-called easier games. But can equally, we upset? I won't be surprised uh, if we knock off some very good teams in those final few weeks. And I actually think that uh, injuries notwithstanding, uh, I think we're going to finish the season uh, really strongly. And the next few weeks is a chance to get back in our rhythm and back in step um, and, uh, you know, get the back line settled, hopefully, um, and then really sort of build into those, uh, into that sort of tough back end where I think we can knock off, uh, knock off those teams. Uh, well, that's that just sort of goes into that other thread that was there that, um, you know, can we beat the best? So you think we can knock off uh, some of the better teams because we've got a lot of them coming up, particularly we can in, knock any in, of them off, in, in, in hostile environments. We're, we're playing West Coast in West Coast. We, we're playing Sydney in Sydney this year, aren't we? And Geelong. Uh, in... No, the Sydney game is here. Oh, is the Sydney game here? Okay. Yep. <laughs> it didn't help us last year when we played them. Uh, played Geelong in Geelong. Um, and then I think we've also got GWS uh, uh, here at the end of the year. Um, but I've always said if you – look, I don't like having to rely on other teams winning or losing. I want to be able to get in on our own merits because, you know, if we're going to if we're gonna play finals footy, you've got to be able to beat anyone, particularly if you want to go deep into finals. So, yeah, I'd like to take a scalp going into the end of the year. But, um, yeah, my confidence is, is down. Yeah, the other yeah. thing to remember is we've got a really healthy percentage at the moment. So hopefully we can maintain that over the next few weeks um, and then keep it going through to the back end because, uh, as plenty of people have pointed out on the board, it's, that can be worth an extra game at the end. Well, we we certainly learned that lesson. <laughs> we learned that lesson last year. Now, one of the other uh, things articles that I saw this week was uh, us being one of the easiest teams to score against, and I'm I think that means that you know we uh, inside in terms of inside fifties um, teams are scoring very easily against us with low amounts of inside fifties. Uh, then, whereas you know we, we had so many inside fifties but couldn't score. Um, that's a little bit of a worry as well. Um, maybe, but I mean, if, if you look at the our for and against, we have the highest against score yep. in the eight, but we have the highest four score in the whole league. Um, so we've kicked the so you know we might be easy to score against, but we also score easily. Um, I know that sounds against the against sounds funny after the game we've just seen where we but. A lot of that, um, a lot yeah. of that, those those that percentage came from those games again. You know, we had a six in a row games against, well, arguably teams that were in the bottom six of the competition. Going also, going forward, we, also, we don't yeah, play. I mean, many we also of beat them pretty comprehensively. Yes. You, you don't get a you don't get a percentage of one hundred and twenty seven. 
um, yeah, without, I guess, scoring a lot of points. But, you know, um, go on. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying that we're not going to play Carlton <laughs> again. Um, so the, the other thing to remember, though, when you're looking at those stats is the first month the defence was completely unsettled yep. because they're all getting used to uh, Lever. Um, and then we've played the last two weeks without Lever again. So you're looking at effectively half the season where the back line hasn't been settled or is missing uh, key personnel. So uh, if you look at it in that context, um, yeah, that, uh, that just sort of tempers it a bit, I think. I will just throw out now, I completely forgot uh, to mention the phone numbers. If you do want to join us uh, for a chat tonight, uh, 0390163366. That's 0390163366 or Skype us on Demonland31. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, I wish I could uh, I wish I could have the confidence that you guys have Um I don't know if I'm being overly negative or you guys are being extremely positive. Um, probably I'm being very negative. George and the outers posed an interesting question in relation to Cam Peterson playing down back at Casey. And what does that mean? Um, so did Cam uh, did Cam play down back last week yeah. at, at, yep. at, at Casey? Yep. Well, that and was no, obviously... I don't think he saw much of the ball because we, um, well, we handed out an absolute shellacking. It's probably the I think they was on the on the um, club's website. They had a, some comments from Rawlings in regards to that. In that, the uh, he said the AFL uh, the AFL coaches asked him to play uh, Pedersen down back just because we were lacking tools in the in the in the senior side. Just so to see how he went there. Um, so I guess it means it means. Yeah, perhaps he's in the frame as a as a tall defender mm. coming in. Yep. Um, it, really, I think if he's going to get if he's if he's going to play again, that's the only role I can see him playing now. He's um he looks to have dropped off in so far as uh, forward form and, and uh, pinch hit ruck form. Well, so we may as well talk now. Uh, sort of changes. Um, Wiedemann kicked seven goals in the, at Casey this week, uh, admittedly probably against lower opposition, but seven goals is seven goals. Um, Tim Smith seven didn't... Straight. Seven straight. Beauty, even better. Um, uh, Tim Smith didn't really get much. He kicked a nice nice goal, but didn't really see much of the ball. Uh, you'd think maybe there's going to be a change probably with them. Uh, obviously, with Cam Pedersen playing in the back line, you don't think he's going to come in as a forward, so I think that would probably a natural, be a natural change. Um, I didn't see, I haven't even read the Casey thread this week. Uh, any of you guys uh, know if there were any other guys that would be pushing for senior selection? Well, one issue might be Tom McDonald, who I read today, is, he said he's a 50-50 chance, which yeah, as someone sagely pointed out, uh, 50-50 in footy speak is, it's, it's, it's two is, weeks. 10, is 10 90 <laughs> or 5 95. So I wouldn't be surprised if McDonald misses this week, in which case Smith will keep his spot and Wiedemann will come in. Yeah, if that's if that's the case that he's going to miss, you'd think that's a shoe in. Uh, the, the 
the article that I saw that mentioned the 50-50, and that, that was quite a heavy knock. Did you see the uh, blood that he uh, spat out um, after that knock? Yeah, yeah it was a walking wounded at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, the article that I saw, I'm just pulling it up here, um, he said that he's, uh, I'm probably 50-50, it's pretty much a bruised lung, uh, a bit like a cork, um, but then he said he's feeling good after <laughs> the heavy knock on the ch- chest. So, yeah, well, let's hope he does play because he's been uh, one of our uh, big scorers uh, for goal. Um, he's been amazing uh, this year. Uh, Nasher, I know you're a big uh, fan of uh, T-Mac. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. He's, I've got, I've still got his uh, scissor kick as my avatar on the on the boards. Um, look, he's, yeah, he's just, he's just a machine really, isn't he? The least number of goals he's kicked this year too. Um, I, I don't think I've seen a player in as good a goal kicking form almost in my time of watching the, watching the team maybe, or maybe I've just forgotten after the years of misery that we went through. But uh, yeah, no, you know, 28, seven, he's, he's become a very, uh, very important player, a star, I would say. Yeah, he, he definitely is. So, um, uh, well, I've, I, looking at the injury list, it's got Tim Smith, uh, an eye injury as well. It's, it says he's available, but uh, this guy can't uh, get a trick. Uh, always seems to have one injury or, or another. I think that's just a function of uh, playing like a human battering ram, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think he's called Bull for no reason. So I guess uh, any any other changes you think need to need to happen this week? Um, possibly uh, Tyson might go out. Uh, I I have no and idea. Then, and then does one of uh, uh, Jeffy or Spartacus come in? Um, and if so, who would they replace? I see some people are calling for Mitch Hannon to be uh, dropped. But, um, Mitch Hannon's still kicking goals, though, so, you know. I think he kicked 2-3, didn't he? Missed. Yeah, he's still getting balls in, ball in front of goal and having scoring mm. shots. So I don't know why he would drop. He doesn't get a heap of the ball, but two goals, three is still a good effort, you know. Um, I don't know. Would you drop Hannon? I, he's getting no, I don't think so. I, I see Hannon in a similar He's probably, to me, in a way, a sort of poor man's Jake Melksham. Um, you know, not huge ball winners, but very dangerous when they get the ball. Um, and, you know, two two goals, three, you know, obviously had opportunities to score. So, you know, he's a forward, getting opportunities to score, stays in the side. It's a That's the, the yeah. simple formula, I guess. Um, it's a really hard week for selection because it was a disappointing game, but, like, no one was... No, other than no one was really poor, really. It's um, yeah, other than other than maybe Dom for Garlet, that's that's a that's a change I'd consider. But yeah, um, a lot, you, lot of would players. You, would you go good, for Jeff no or, really or Spartacus? Uh, Say that again. Sorry. Would you go for Jeffy or or Spargo? Um, yeah, I I thought. At the time when Spa, uh, Spartacus, I liked that. I didn't know who you were talking about for a minute there, so I was a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I thought Spartacus um, was ready to be dropped when he was dropped. Yep. So I don't see a, um, you know, by the sounds of it, he was good at Casey, but 
you know, I think I don't think it does those young players good to be ping ponged in and out of the side too mm-hmm. much at this stage. Um, yeah, I'd also consider Wiedemann. It's pretty hard to overlook seven goals. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, well, look, I'd like to give Jeffy a go because I'd like to see, um, you know, particularly we've got a run of a couple of games where you probably can give him a go. Um, I'd like to give him a go and see what he can do and sort of prove himself uh, in the seniors. And if, if that fails, then obviously it's back to Casey for him. Um, but, yeah, because uh, I'd like to see Jeffy on his game and got to probably get him into the seniors. Have a look. There was a number of times last year as well when 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 Garlett was down on form and and you know he was there was calls for him to be dropped and he wasn't dropped and he wasn't dropped and then suddenly he lit the game up. Um, so I think as long as he's not in the side, there's a chance you're missing out on him just randomly taking off. But I guess it's really hard to, to judge from the outside whether he's actually you know putting in the required effort and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you just kind of hope that he is. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to. Oh, you. Me- oh, this is what I want to say. You mentioned Melksham before, and we're talking about the umpires, uh, and we'll just quickly go back to uh, that decision. Do you think th- that can't possibly be a free kick against him? Do you know the one I'm talking about where he sort of used his body in a one-on-one contest and then oh, was called for called for blocking? For blocking. How how is that blocking? Oh. That was a terrible decision, all right. That yeah, I, I, I can't wrong. see how that was anything but a mistake. Yep. I can understand if there was another player, uh, a Melbourne player, just behind the contest who took the ball and ran into goal, but there was no one else within Cooey, so I, I don't know how they can possibly call that uh, blocking. Uh, <laughs> I just thought I had to, when you mentioned Melksham, uh, that uh, made my blood boil on the night. Um, yeah. Uh, Guys, anything uh, anything else uh, that's caught your eye on Demonland uh, this week? That uh, any pressing issues you need to bring up? Uh, nope. Uh, Nasha, anything? Any, no. Any housekeeping? No, not really. Any housekeeping I've, I've been trying issues? to keep on top of it. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that. Uh, yeah, we've we're still we've still been discussing that Jordan Lewis is absolutely cooked, but we sort of went over that a bit already, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of goes from week week to week because then he'll have a good game and every, that sort of dies down, and then he'll have yeah. one game where everyone in the team gets beaten, and there'll be one contest where he's chasing after one of the fastest guys in an opposition forward line, and of course he's not going to be able to uh, keep up with them, but. Um, I think he still adds value to the team at the moment, so I'm not ready to get the knives out. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, do you read anything into uh, into the the, the stat uh, that about uh, the crowds that we've been playing in front of this year? Um, uh, we are, I think, a seven and zip. I think for uh, games. Was it seven and zip for games with over forty thousand, yep. and then under forty thousand? Uh, uh, oh yes, we won all the ones under forty thousand, uh, and uh, have only won one over forty thousand. Um, no, it's just that's just cor- <laughs> the correlation between the crowd and the crap teams that we thrashed. I think that's yeah. Nobody goes to watch the Kilda play, so that's why yeah. So so it's anyway. t- it's it's totally got to do with. Um, 
with the the lower teams not uh, not bringing the crowds out. All right. Well. Yep. Yeah, so I was uh, hoping that that was the case because, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk that we can't perform on the big stage and, um, yeah, we've got to take a... Um, We've got to take a scalp going out of the going into the finals this year, otherwise. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the finals, what a better time to take a scalp? <laughs> well, you got to make the finals first. <laughs> you got to you got to be in it uh, to win it. Uh, your thoughts, guys, on the Jeremy Cameron uh, five weeks? Um, I have a look at the um, had a look at the incidents. Yeah. It looked pretty bad. The guy had bruising on the, not a, bleeding on the brain. Um, and then you look at um, Tommy Bug last year, you know, King hitting someone, um, which obviously isn't a good look, but the player played the next week and he got six weeks. Um, did they get the uh, that right, the, the, the tribunal? Yeah, it's hard to keep it all in scale, I guess, isn't it? I mean, as you say, Tommy's was a deliberate hit. Mind you, Jeremy's looked pretty deliberate too. But it was in the context of the play. Contest, yeah. Whereas Tommy was off the ball, so is that worth the extra week? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, it seemed like people were sort of sort of calling for, for even longer um, than the five weeks and, hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was just just watching it while you guys were talking. Cause I, <laughs> uh, yeah, just to just to freshen up my memory and look, it's 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 ugly. It's definitely worth a considerable amount of weeks. But I, with regards to comparing it to to Tommy Bug, I don't know that those that those scaling, you know, those sort of scaling type comparisons ever work. Really, um, they should, but. It doesn't surprise me that that it's that it's inconsistent. It's it's always the only thing that's ever consistent about these things is they they are inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, all right, so, so we're back at the G this week, and um, yeah, need a big win. So uh, anything I else? I think we'll you? get it. We'll thrash the pants off St Kilda. Yeah, I certainly <laughs> certainly hope so. Uh, they haven't been travelling too well, so <sighs> fingers crossed, boys. All right, uh, anything else? Nasher, any housekeeping, any Demon Land issues? You're happy with the right way the site's running at the moment? Uh, um, it's look, it's going like a dream, really, <laughs> just like a bought one. I haven't, I have hardly had to touch it. I don't <laughs> think it's, uh, don't think it's fallen over once since we've moved over to the new, the new soft or the new, new hardware, the new gear. So it's excellent. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good. You know that if you're not receiving uh, text messages from me, then things are going well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Um, if there's nothing else, I think we'll end it. Uh, I think we'll end it there. And um, yeah, go demons. Um, where's this uh, this theme music? Um, go days. So if you uh, if you're listening to this uh, podcast uh, through iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Demonland and Twitter at Demonland as well. Um, we'll be back next week, and um, yeah, go D's. <laughs>